This morning, we're still in our series on multi- called Multiply, working through the book of Acts, uh, where we see how God breathed life into the, the, the church. Um, in, the, in the book of Acts, the, the, the New Testament church was born, which we are now a part of. If you're a believer, you're a part of that church. And so we've been studying and learning about how God breathed life and multiplied the early church across the known world at the time. Um, so it's an, it's an exciting um, uh, series as we look at how to multiply, how we be a part of God's multiplication of reaching new believers and doing new things. And so this morning we're going to talk about a guy named Barnabas. Last week one of the points was that your name doesn't matter, right? We, we talked about how what it takes to go on mission with God, and we found that there were some believers that went down to this town called Antioch, and uh, that was the birth of the first Gentile church, which is what we are, a Gentile church. This is the first one, Acts chapter 11. Uh, and so we saw the birth of that church. In this passage, chapter 11, 22 through 30, uh, we see the growth of that first church. I almost called this, last week was what it takes to go. I almost called this what it takes to grow. That was too corny. Uh, but, you know, that's in the background. What it takes to go, birth the church. What it takes to grow the church, you'll hear filled in today. But Barnabas, such an interesting character. We got his name. We're going to spend some time on him today and see his role in the growth of the church. Um, there's, a, there's an old story about a couple that was getting married and the bride was really nervous and, uh, the, and just like a, a little scared. And, and so uh, the preacher went and found a verse that he thought would be encouraging and uplifting uh, for, for the bride and the, the, the couple is getting married. And, and, and the verse was 1 John 4.18, which says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. They thought, that'd be great. This will help her a lot. And um, so we asked the best man at the wedding to read that verse. And uh, the, the, he didn't know the best man, didn't really go to church, didn't know much about the Bible, didn't know the difference between 1 John and the gospel according to John. So he gets up and he, 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 he has uh, the gospel according to John 4.18. And some of you who know your Bibles really well, uh, right in the middle of the wedding, he's reading this and he says, I'm going to quote some scripture, John 4.18. Uh, the fact is you've had five husbands <laughs> and the man you now have is not your husband. And in that little story, we find that words really matter, right? You can use your words to either encourage or your words can absolutely be the demise and downfall of somebody. And in this situation, it's just, you know, that's an honest mistake, wrong book, right chapter, right verse, wrong book, and it changed the complete outcome and so what is discouragement? See, Barnabas, his name, it meant son of encouragement. And this morning we're going to talk about being encouraged, which means if people need encouraged, if encouragement is a tool God uses to grow his church, to multiply his church, uh, there, there must be the risk of discouragement. And some of you walked into this place today discouraged. What does discouragement look like? Uh, you feel unwilling to accept new tasks. You don't feel excited to go to work or go to, you don't feel excited really about anything anymore. Uh, you don't see the impact. You don't feel like you're making a difference. Uh, you don't feel like there's any hope for the future or things are going to get better. Uh, 
you lack focus. You just can't get focused. Anybody been there, are there, is there? Feel like you live there? The reality is, as human beings, we tend to want to default to there. But we find here uh, a man named Barnabas, and uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about the verb that discouraged. Here's what it really means. It's from a French word, and, and the beginning of it means uh, away. So dis means away. Uh, courage obviously means courage. And so when we discourage, when we feel discouraged, we, we move away from having courage. Courage to make decisions, courage to move forward, courage to step out in faith. We, we, when we get discouraged, listen, this, if encouragement is the number one tool that God uses and multiplies church, discouragement is the number one tool Satan uses to disembody it, divide it, uh, bring it to a screeching halt. It may not be outright sin. It'll just be a body of people who are discouraged, who've lost courage to move forward. And so we have in this situation some verses from the Bible. First Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica and says, here's what you can do as a church, encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. In Hebrews, the writer wrote in chapter 10, verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's what I believe is that if you have a church full of Barnabases, Barnabasai, Barnab well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> if you've got a bunch of people named Barnabas, a bunch of people that are acting like Barnabas, let me tell you something. The world will be set on fire for the gospel. Lives will be changed. Families will be changed. Communities will be changed. If we get in our minds that I want to be a Barnabas, I want to be an encourager to the believers. I don't want to be a discourager. And so we're going to walk through four things about Barnabas. You say, well, how do I, how do I encourage people? You know, you can discourage people just by silence. I mean, you can do it by negative things and always being critical and complaining. We're going to talk about that kind of at the end. But you can really be discouraging just by being silent with people. But we're going to look at four things about Barnabas that, that lays, out, uh, lays out how do we encourage people? How can I be a Barnabas? Anybody want to be a Barnabas? Look at your neighbor and say, be a Barnabas. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like, and say, be a Barnabas. Y'all picked, y'all see, y'all picked all the Bengals fans to look at each other. Nobody looked at Brian. <laughs> Be a Barnabas. The four things we're going to look at just in this passage that we see about Barnabas, and we'll go back a little bit and learn a little bit about him so we understand who he is uh, and, and how he got this nickname. Um, the first thing, let's read, let's read all through this passage first. We're in Acts chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 22. And read through the end of chapter 11, so verse 30. Acts 11, starting in verse 22. When the church at Jerusalem had heard what had happened, okay, wait, some of y'all that weren't here last week, what had happened 
is some believers went to Antioch, started just telling everybody, Greek Gentiles, about Jesus. They started getting saved. Went next level. Kind of like the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. And the church back at Jerusalem heard about this. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching the large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up, and anybody expecting Agabus is a great, you know, put that on your name list, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world, and this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. That's the entire passage. Let's break it down now. Starting in verse 22, we see when the church at Jerusalem heard about what happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. First thing I want you to, uh, if you take notes or mental notes or I want you to hear, is to be an encourager, to be a Barnabas, you've got to find joy in other people's successes. You've got to find joy in other people's successes. You see, he got down there to Antioch. And, you know, this was a new church. So that means they didn't have everything they needed. They didn't have space to have church. Like, they're just going to the market and double quick and everywhere telling people about Jesus. And people are getting saved and then they're starting to meet together more often. They're trying to figure out what we're going to do. Where we, how do you do this? It's the first church. So there's no guidebook. There's no, you know, let's get out the playbook. Nobody knows except the Holy Spirit is driving this entire thing. And he gets down there, and, and it could have been really easy uh, uh, for him to maybe get jealous about what God was doing in Antioch. Because in Jerusalem, it kind of slowed down a little bit. I mean, things were going good, but, you know, it was, just, it was just the same old, same old. And he got down there, and all of a sudden, like these... And you remember, Antioch is not like this hot, uh, this uh, bedrock foundation of morality. It's actually a very sinful place, a broken place. And God's saving people that should never be getting saved. And yet Barnabas finds joy in this. Oh, man, he's so excited. You know what else he could have done is he could have got down there and said, well, if you all want to have church like we do in Jerusalem, you need this type of building. You need, like, he could have been super critical, okay, because they didn't have it all together. He could have started just pointing out everything. Well, you need this and you need that. You're not doing this right and you're not doing that because you know they did not have it all together. You talk about getting discouraged is when somebody just loves to point out everything you do wrong and fault and, like, and just there's a super critical spirit, super judgmental will bring things to a halt. It'll discourage you like this. And yet Barnabas gets down there and he's just got so much joy. He's so excited 
uh, for what people. Uh, uh, y'all get excited when your neighbor gets a n- new car? The one you've been wanting? <laughs> that you told them you were thinking about getting? You get excited when your friend gets a promotion or when your enemy gets a promotion or when uh, maybe it's just, maybe it's somebody you go to church with, but you know, we don't love, we don't like everybody we go to church with, to be honest. You got the Holy Spirit, so you love them, but there's some people that just are not your people. Am I wrong? You all are like, he's saying stuff. How's he know this? <laughs> you know, just sitting there like in shock, like I found something out I didn't know. Or do you find joy when you think that person, they did me wrong, and now look what happened to them. Something went bad in their life. Like, this is human nature. This is the flesh. This is what we've got to push back against. This is where we've got to try to draw on the Holy Spirit. So I want to be like Barnabas. Like, I want to celebrate others' successes. When they do well, I want to be happy for them. And maybe it's easy when we see Michael celebrating in Whitesburg and things doing well, even from a church perspective. But let me tell you, I got a heart to see First Baptist do well, a heart to see the Methodists do well. I got a heart to see Connection do well. Like, listen, this is the cornerstone. I'll name them all. How many we got? A bunch. It's not enough. One in 11 people go to church. All right, we're, not, we're not starting new churches to compete from the, for the people who go to the other church. I'm trying to reach the 10 that aren't going anywhere. And it takes more. And so when we do that, we, gotta, we can't be in competition with one another. This is not a competition. But when they were successful, he found joy. I love this line, too. He saw the evidence of God's blessing. If you read in the NIV, I think it said... Uh, he saw uh, he he celebrated what God's grace had done. He didn't go back and talk about the believers who went. He didn't say, "I can't believe what those few little people went down there and what they've done." He said, "Look at what God's grace has done." He could see the evidence. It was t- can you see the evidence of God's blessing around us? And what he's doing when you step out in faith and when, 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 when we're stepping out in faith and when the church's heart is right and we're doing right things and we're, we're reaching people in new ways and planting new churches, like this is the evidence, not of anything we've done well besides leaning on God's grace. He saw the evidence of God's Blessing. Uh, another way that he found joy and other success, you know, Saul, which we, you heard me read the verse, he goes down and brings him up. There's backstory there. Uh, but Paul becomes like the first great missionary. He goes around, plants all these churches, writes 13 books of the 27 in the New Testament. Guess how many Barnabas wrote? Exactly. Zero. Yeah, he celebrated Paul's success. So he found joy in other success. The next thing we see in verse 24 is uh, Barnabas had a firm foundation. It says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. 
And many people were brought to the Lord. His firm foundation, this is not, I don't want you to, to see this. Barnabas was a good man and think, oh, he was just, a, he was morale, morally, he was a good man. I don't want you to think that. I, w- I want you to know that that word in the, the Greek is agathos. It means inherently, intrinsically good as to the believer. It describes what originates from God and is empowered by him. Okay? Yeah, the firm foundation is not his morality, is what I'm trying to tell you. Not the fact that he was a good man. The fact was he had given all of his life to Jesus. And he had built his life on that rock and that foundation. And in that, the Holy Spirit empowered him to be a good man. All right, let's not get it backward. Let's not get it backward to think you can ever be good enough for the Holy Spirit to be proud of you. And save you because you've been good enough. If that was the case, we wouldn't need Jesus. Uh, he, was, he, was, he, he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. You know, the scripture earlier in Acts said, be filled by the Spirit. It, it, it tells us this truth uh, that we can be saved and have the Holy, Holy Spirit inside of us and not be full of it. All right? You can actually draw closer and be more engaged in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so Barnabas, man, he's a good man. He's given his life to Christ. He's, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's strong in his faith, and not just any kind of faith, not like faith that I get in my car and the tires won't explode when I go to church. Like faith can be in anything. You have faith, you sat in that chair. I have faith. It's not going to let me hit the ground. He had faith that changed his whole life. Faith in Jesus Christ. The kind of faith that by grace saves a man, gives man and woman eternal life, frees him from the penalty of sin, freed him from the power of sin. This man is is strong in his faith. He's filled with the Spirit. And Barnabas uh, was a good man empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he built his foundation on Jesus. how do we, here's some more fruit in his life that shows us back in Acts 44, 36. This was early on in the early church. Right before this, we find that the members of the church, they were, uh, they were, they were, they were selling everything they had. Remember when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler and said, what must I do, I do to be saved? And he tells them, you know, you gotta, you, you've done all these. He said, well, I've done both of the major commandments. He said, well, sell everything you have. And then you'll be saved. That's not a legalistic, like, oh, if I go sell everything, then I get saved. It was speaking to the heart of the man. Like, if Jesus, you're standing there with Jesus, and you have faith, and you've given him your life, and he says, go sell everything you got. You just go sell everything you got if you're hooked. Okay? And this man was trying to figure out a path to heaven outside of Jesus. And there is not one. But here we find these early believers. This is a great church. I mean, they really just pulled everything they had together and took care of one another. They were like a family. Not like you're my family, it's messed up. Right? Like they were like a, a, a family the way God called us to be. Like where we cared about the other person more than we care about ourselves. And they were giving everything away. And, and after uh, they talk about that in verse 36, this is the first time we're introduced to Barnabas. It says, for instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles, nicknamed Barnabas. This was his nickname. His real name was Joseph, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came 
from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. We understand something about Barnabas. He was likely raised in a wealthy family. He was likely raised in the school of Gamaliel, same guy that trained Paul, trained to be a Pharisee. He had everything. This is the guy that was in the social class that nothing would ever be a problem for him. This is the guy who went and sold a field and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet for the work of God. He had sacrificial giving. He had given his life to Christ, his fruit. Uh, was evident. There's a story about a pastor uh, out on the West Coast, and people would ask him uh, to, to counsel him, and, and, and he'd say, all right. He was really busy, but he'd make time and sit down and meet with people, and he'd say, okay, meet me at such and such time and bring your checkbook. And they were like, wait, you're going to, you know, as a member of the church, like, wait, you're going to charge me uh, to, uh, to, to counsel him? For a counseling session, you're charging now? He said, no, i just like to go through your checkbook because that helps me know where your heart is. I don't think he really did it. It would be interesting to see, though, what we do with our money and our possessions speaks volumes about where our heart is. Barnabas had realized that. He realized that actually giving, because, you know, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And the best way to fight against money getting a hold of your life and becoming an idol is to give it away. Like, I'm not saying, this is not a giving sermon. I'm not saying give it all to new beings. I don't care who you give it to. I'm just telling you, for your sake, if you've been blessed with surplus, giving a portion of it away will help you. Okay? Having a heart to give it away will help you. Now, some of us are like, oh, I won't be on the other end of that. <laughs> but listen, money can get a grip on your life and distract you. Barnabas, the fruit was there. He sold his land, gave it to the apostles. He'd gone all in. The next thing he did, uh, so, so Barnabas uh, found joy in other successes. To be a Barnabas, we've got to do that. We've got to have a firm foundation like your, your, your words of encouragement, your leadership can't be hollow. It's got to be anchored in Christ. All right, so you got to have a firm foundation. Uh, the second thing is he helped people find their roles or purpose, however you want to say that. He helped people find their roles or purpose. Um, and, and he did this uh, uh, pretty neat here in Acts chapter 11, 25. He, got, he gets down there to Antioch and... Oh my gosh, it's 11.56. I'm finishing right now in a minute. So you say. Yeah. He gets down to Antioch and he sees that they need help. Okay? And he says, I know the guy. I'm going to leave. I'm going I'm to sacrifice for a minute. I'm going to go find Saul. Because Saul had gotten saved. He went up to Jerusalem. Let me read you this scripture real quick. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Remember, Saul was arresting Christians. He hated Christians. He gets saved. He comes back to Jerusalem. He's like, hey, guys, I got saved. And they're like slamming the door in his face. Like, no, you didn't. You're going to try to arrest us. This is a plot. 
This is the second time we hear about Barnabas. But then Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. I don't have these verses on there, but it goes on to say, So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, though, and they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to, to Tarsus, his hometown. That's in chapter 9. We're in chapter 11. Everything I could read, historians think maybe, y'all think I'm going to go into a season of waiting here and see what God wants me to do. I'll give him two weeks. Everything I could find was like from a few years to 12 years that Saul was sent back to Tarsus to hide out. He spent time praying and I'm sure sharing the gospel, but we really don't know until we get to chapter 11 and Barnabas was like, this is Saul's purpose. I need to go get him. Doesn't know where he is. He's not been checking in on Facebook or Instagram. and Like he's just got to go to Tarsus and he's laboring and he's trying to find Saul. And he knows I need Saul and I need him in this place. He was a team builder, bridge builder, uh, he saw people's potential. He mentored them. He brings Saul up, uh, and, uh, and he brings him back to the church. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. The fourth thing he did is he filled people with biblical truth. Like he, he was good at understanding their, their gifts, their, who they were, and like helping them point them toward their purpose and their role. And then he didn't have to come up with anything new to teach them. He taught them that there's nothing more encouraging than the gospel. There's nothing more true than God's word. There's nothing more empowering than God's word. And so they spent a year teaching this group, large crowds, the Bible. So in this, we see the simplicity of what it takes to grow a church. Bible teaching, building a team, having a firm foundation, and at the end... Uh, we see here the results of what happened because Barnabas was an encourager. Paul becomes a zealous missionary, goes on to write 13 of the 27 New Testament books. We find that many were turned to the Lord. We find uh, they built uh, a witness the first time in history that they were called Christians. They weren't known as Baptists or Methodists or, or Pentecostals. Or, or They weren't known as any of that. They were known as... Christians, which translated to Jesus people. This, this was probably not an affectionate name, to be honest. It's probably like, what in the world? Those are the people following Jesus. There's a bunch of Jesus people over there. They're starting to stand out. They're starting to look different, act different. In the end of the chapter, we find they launched their first missions effort. The church at Jerusalem, which is established by this point, is now being served and taken care of of this little fledgling, barely started church plant in Antioch. They go through a famine in Jerusalem, and now these just up-and-coming believers, new believers are sending, they're taking their resources and they're sending it back to Jerusalem to take care of one another.
I want us to think just for a minute as we work through all that and we're concluding. Uh, how often are we to cut down a new believer or see somebody struggling and, and, and really think, I knew they wouldn't make it. I made it. They never, I knew they wouldn't. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it. And the problem is because we are not being a Barnabas who sees possibilities in every person he meets, who knows the true power of the Holy Spirit and says nobody's a lost cause. And even somebody that's been faithful and they've stepped back and they've messed up, even that person is not written off. Like when you go to that person, you go to that person not to judge and criticize, but with a heart of restoration, the heart to bring them back into community, bring them back into fellowship with Christ, to, to help them point out and see that there's hope and there's still love. And this is what, about, this is what being a Barnabas is about. And, and the difference in your words that matter, that make you either a discourager or an encourager, we find it in Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The difference between discouragement and encouragement is your motivation. Is your motivation, is it a heart to restore or is it a heart to build yourself up? Is it a heart to say, look, I just want to tell you, you're not doing this right. And if you did it like this, you'd be more like me. And it makes you feel better. Or is it from a heart to say, I did that once too, and let me tell you, it, it doesn't work out well. I want you to know. I want you, just for your own good, I want to bring you back. I want to share with you some wisdom. I love you, and I want you to win. I want you to win all the time. I want, to be the, I want you to be the best that you can be. And the difference... His motivation. I, I'm so thankful for Chris. I'm just, uh, that wasn't even in my notes. Look at that. Because to lead a church, to grow a church, to multiply God's work, you've got to be a Barnabas. You've got to be an encourager. You've got to see possibilities. You've got to speak positive things. Now, does that mean every word comes out of your mouth and that you don't, you don't correct when the correction is in? No, but it's about the heart you do it with. And so we've been going through this remodeling as the singers come up and we prepare for a song upstairs. And um, it was, you know, I thought it was going to be so easy. We had these three rooms, they're pretty good size, like 20 by 20, and we wanted to make one big space for our kids. So it's going to be 20 by 60. Two walls in between, and we said, we'll just tear those walls down. That was like three months ago and contractor ago, and uh, you know how it, how it goes. Uh, ended up being low-bearing walls, but God had us a heart to do that, and so we've been, we've been working forward to do it. But to do it, we'd tear the walls out first, tear the plaster off, and that's super easy, right? Pretty much anybody can do it. Like, so we, on Surf Sunday a few weeks ago, we just got like 30 people up there, and they, well, they had hammers, and that is a danger zone. I stayed home that day. Um, but just a bunch, anybody, take a hammer, rip some, you know, plaster off the wall, carry the stuff to the dumpster. Anybody can tear a wall down. 
But when it came to build it back and build the beam that had to be there, it took a special group. It took somebody that knew what they were doing. Somebody that planned and cared whether the roof fell. <laughs> I mean, we cared. We just didn't know how to keep it from falling. We just... We, the plaster, we tore the plaster down. We didn't tear the studs out, right, the two-by-fours, because that's literally holding the roof up. But it took somebody who knew and cared to build it back. If we're going to multiply, if we're going to change the world with the gospel, we have to be the people that build things back, that build people up. Anybody can tear people down. I mean, you can go to Walmart and get tore down about two minutes. Somebody will tear you down, <laughs> okay? It's those moments in life, like for me, the times I've been ready to quit, and somebody walks in, a, a mentor I've got, and, and, and he says, you know what? I know you're in a struggle right now, but I've seen in your past, you've killed the bear and the lion. <laughs> oh, my God. Like those words for me, I was ready to quit everything. So, but you, you, you pushed me toward courage, not away from it. You, you encouraged me. I'm ready, I'm ready to face Goliath. I mean, he's probably going to kill me, but I don't care. I'm encouraged. This morning, some, you all hear a product of a Barnabas at some point in your life. Somebody that spoke truth to you, that cared about you, that loved you. And all being a Christian is, is turning that around and giving it to other people. Being that for the next person. And there's nobody that did it any better. Because if you find at the end of Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. There's no better encourager than God himself, than Jesus himself, to know he laid it all down. He made the sacrifices. He cared about your success, not his. He laid it all down for you. And with that encouragement, we can be the Barnabas that helps us grow. Helps individuals grow, helps the church grow, big C church. I don't, I mean, I want new beginnings to grow because I want people to find Christ. I don't care if you find Christ here and go somewhere else, plant it. I don't, we just want more people following Jesus. God, we're so thankful um, for this moment, for this season that we're in, for this time, for this reminder of the power of encouragement. God, we are filled with a room of people, I believe, that want to be people builders. Like, we want to push people close to you. We want to give them courage to step out on faith and follow you. Uh, God, we want to be a body of people that are like Barnabas. God, we just pray that your spirit would empower us to do that. We'd lean on your strength, that we'd take these things we learned from your word. God, I just pray that if there's anybody here that's discouraged, that, that doesn't know you, that's where it starts in this firm foundation of, of Barnabas surrendered his entire life to you. And then he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. God, I just pray if there's someone here this morning that's never given their life to you. God, not only does it give us hope for eternity in heaven, 
but God, it gives us the opportunity to live a fulfilled, purpose-filled life today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.